Would you please pronounce your name correctly for me? <laughs> so my name is Magali Avezou. And what the first thing I always love to know about people is sort of like how they got into the creative field. So like, were your parents creative? Did you have some great teachers? Like, what was the thing in your early growing up that sort of brought you to the creative industries? So no, my parents were and are not in the creative industries. I think the first connection I had with creativity was probably a neighbor who was a sculptor. Um, so he was living just uh, next door. And um, I could see it, it was in the countryside. So I could see his, uh, I would go regularly to his, um, his studio where he was working. And I was fascinated by this. Um, but that's something I wasn't really aware of, I guess. It came back to my mind much later. But that was probably the first uh, connection with creativity. Then I had class, drawing class in uh, at school, but that wasn't like uh, a fantastic thing. But I started taking like more serious classes uh, when I was a teenager, I guess. So, and that was related to this man. That was uh, he was Italian and he was uh, working with Carrara marble, and that was quite uh, fascinating to me. Yeah. Also, his, uh, his way of life was uh, was different from uh, my parents' one, so it was interesting. As the artist lifestyle often is. Well, it was a bit of um, yeah, of a stereotype in that sense. Like it was like the classical uh, figure of the artist. Probably that also belongs to this uh, to this generation and to the to those years. He would have a uh, yeah a different. Um, rhythm in his uh, daily life and much less structure than my parents had so it was also very very attractive for this obviously uh now i think uh, though i'm not completely um, i'm not really uh, agreeing with the the general um, image of uh, artist because i could see that artists to be able to to make a good work, they they work a lot and they are often very uh, disciplined actually in their practice. So the the idea of the artist uh, waking up at twelve and uh, working all night is not really the the one I have today. I don't really agree with that. I'm fascinated. What what do you think the artist of today is sort of mm, structured as? I think the ones that I know uh, that are serious about their art are very disciplined. So um, they tend to wake up very early and to work hard, to have like a very structured um, method about their art. So like keeping on fixed hours and uh, it depends. Some people work at night, but it's not that uh, that usual. I guess uh, there is a, a sense of, uh, yeah, of keeping with a discipline that is uh, repeating day after day and that allows for, it's the same with writers, for example. Uh, the, uh, when you hear writers uh, talk, like the, the myth of uh, the writer of the 19th century drinking all night and writing at the same time while the muse is coming, uh, actually, it's not the way it works. You can't really create something fantastic if you are. If you're completely drunk or, or too tired also, you might have, um, but well, yeah, I think it comes down to a discipline to, to be able to, to come back to your work every day and repeat and it's less exotic than, uh, than people would like to, to think. 
Oh yeah, I have a friend of mine. His name's Sean Richards, and he has this amazing work ethic. He literally goes into his studio every day and is physically in the studio from nine a.m. to five p.m. Like it's his job. Whether he's actually like actively painting or researching or writing grants or doing whatever he needs to be doing, but he he literally like treats it like a job and is there forty hours a week. And I, in many ways, I admire that. But in some ways, I'm sort of like. It kind of takes the fun away, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also I think you were you were mentioning the grant application and all this, and it is true that for an artist to to be able to make it, there is um, there is a dosis of um, an important part is administrative stuff, and it's also getting in touch with the the right people and it demands um it demands work and it demands work in a certain way you can't be you can't be completely 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 crazy about your work and your communication about your work so you do need to to adapt also to how the the artwork artwork is uh, is working yeah, I know. I mean, it's completely different than when I came out of school 20 years ago. I mean, you know, social media, the emphasis on residencies and grants and all these other kinds of you know, funding structures and, and opportunities that are, and maybe they were always there and I just was unaware of them because I wasn't paying attention, I guess. But the, it seems like they're much more, there's a much more strength and emphasis towards grants and residencies and things along this line than there was in the past. Is that something you've noticed or is that just me? Well, I don't really know because like uh, 25 years ago, I wasn't really in that world that much. So I could not compare, but I I have this, okay, the same making sensation. Okay, feel old. That's fine. <laughs> no, just because I started also in a different, uh, well, not that, I wasn't that implicated with uh, with this world. But I, I, I agree with you. I have this feeling that the, um, the art world has, has, has been structured much more in, in the past years. Also because the art world as a, as a business has grown probably a lot. So there is more money. Well, that's something I feel like is happening a lot too, is that like the, the idea of being an artist used to be that bohemian lifestyle and all this kind of stuff that you you talked about, but that now it's it's more of a a brand, a business, a, a marketing, and all this kind of stuff. And 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 to me, I'm still a romantic. Like I like the old bohemian lifestyle thing, and so I'm sort of like, why do we have to do all this? Like I want, I would love it if we all could find people who could basically support us in that business side, because that's the one thing that I'm, I'm the weakest at. And I'm, and I have the least understanding of is that sort of business side of it all. And it's almost like we need like PR people. I mean, it, in the old days, it used to be the gallerist would do that kind of stuff. But these days, the galleries don't often do that kind of stuff for us. So it's, it's this weird sense that like, there's a certain amount of responsibility that used to be handled by other people, which is now being handed back to the responsibility of the creators. Yeah, it's true. But that also comes down to the fact that more and more people want to be artists. So the, 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 competi the competition is very high, I guess. And that's uh, and also it's easier to be an artist than uh, forty years ago, I would say, because probably 
the means to be an artist are more available, like photography, for example, uh, is a is a medium that you you may not need like a formal training, or you can also yeah you can have access to a training online or do what do it in an easier way. So more people are tempted, and also it's um, it became like more fashionable to be an artist, maybe. So a lot of people are, and we we saw it with photography since twenty years, like the. Schools are crowded with so many students wanting to be artists, and um, it's complicated. I guess the the market can't absorb all of this, and so there is much more competition. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no. But going back, so like, okay, your education—you went to Great Britain for some some of your education, and now mm-hmm. you're back in France, correct? Yes, I'm in Marseille now. It has been only two years since the pandemic, actually. Okay, but well, but my question really is this: sort of like, of all the different things that you could have sort of invested your time and energy in, why did you choose an interest, or how did you come to an interest in photography specifically? Okay, so should I go back to really the beginning of all of this? <laughs> Feel free. Okay, I was photographing. I had the cameras when I was a teenager. I was taking the camera, the, the old camera of my father, which is the typical story of uh, like the, yeah, the analog Wait, one. Wait, what was your really camera? Fun. Mine was a, a Yashica D medium format, uh, you know, like twin lens reflex. Mine wasn't that uh, sophisticated. I think it was a Canon, but I got um, I got it stolen in um, Bulgari, Bulgari, um, and it was a Canon, but I can't remember the. It was a, a nice old camera with uh, with different lenses, and uh, it was very qualitative. But I can't remember exactly the the number, actually. I wasn't that um, involved with it at the time. It was just a camera that I had there and that I was using. Uh, So I started with with photography this way, but it was just like taking picture of uh, my family and all of this. And, um, but I studied this story when, uh, when I was 20. And I realized that I didn't want to, to be a teacher. I didn't want to go into traditional careers. And the only thing that uh, interested me was actually culture. So I decided to study cultural management, which I did. And it's much later when I was living in Spain, actually, uh, that I realized that I wanted to have a specific knowledge about one topic in, uh, in culture. They wanted to be specializing, specialized. And uh, I was really interested in photography. I think I was fascinated by the image. I have always been. Like there is something ontological about the image that is the, this double of the reality. I think most of, of photographers have this fascination, if they, even if they are not completely aware of it. And there is this fascination of the double, like in a Freudian way, like uh, we create a double of the reality, but it's not the double and uh, what it is and, and what do we put of ourselves in it, uh, what, what is actually not controllable about the way we make a picture, etc. So I think I wasn't totally aware of all those things when I decided to, to start studying photography specifically. I was uh, in my 30s already. Uh, I started taking a course in um, in Barcelona, which was like just a small course, but I really liked it. 
And suddenly, it, um, yeah, it sparked something. And so I applied for Central St. Martins in London and I got in. And I started a new study path, actually. I did a PG cert in photography at Central St. Martins in uh, early 2010. And then I did, uh, I went on, on a, an MA in, uh, at London College of Communication. And what really, um, suddenly an, a new world opened up to me. I think often things are like, um, dormant in your, in your life and suddenly something, uh, open up. And there was a criticality in the way the, the British, uh, teach photography that is quite different from, um, I think it's quite different from France, or at least uh, it's starting in France, for example, but it's not, France is still very documentary, and Britain is very conceptual, and I really enjoy that. I uh, really enjoy the, the approach of, uh, of Britain, also the approach in terms of education. So I hadn't studied art in France, so I can't compare really, but now I'm teaching in France uh, in art schools, so... <laughs> That's uh, the funny thing, but I, I I am guessing that the system in uh, in Britain is quite different, and there was something very interesting about um, very horizontal in the way uh, Brit Britain teach teach art. Uh, everything is about discussion and uh, developing your criticality with the group, etc. And I really enjoy that. Now that's that's a method that I'm I'm applying uh, myself in teaching a lot. So the, I think photography came as, um, I mean, it's, it's always related. Your experiences are always related to chunk of lives, of life, I guess. And uh, so I can't really disintricate, uh, there's two things, but the, um, it has been 10 years, more than 10 years now that I, I work with photography. I went to London in 2011. Yeah. So a bit more than 10 years. And this part of my life is really, so it's connected to photography intensively and it's also connected to um, a new um, criticality, I think, about the world that came partly from photography, partly from going to England that also opened up uh, a new a new way of looking at the world, I think, because when you change culture and the, the Anglo-Saxon one is uh, is particular, I was used to a very Latin one, to the Mediterranean, to France, you know, Spain, and that was very different. So it opened up, um, yeah, a new world, I guess. Well, and then you went and opened up Archipelago. Now, I, I, I got a couple questions about Archipelago. It, you call it a visual culture studio. So the first question is, is it a physical studio or sort of a conceptual studio? It's a conceptual studio. There is no space. Okay, great. Yeah, I just sort of want you know, when I read studio, I'm like, ooh, great. I can go visit. Mm -hmm. making sure. Maybe one day. <laughs> okay. The projects that you seem to do through Archipelago are very sort of disparate and random. And so like sometimes they're exhibitions, sometimes they're books, sometimes they're videos, like you do lots of different things. Is this by design or by sort of necessity? <laughs> like, are you intentionally choosing these kinds of randomly different uh, sort of formats or are those just the thing, the opportunities that come your way? Mm, it's a bit of both, but I don't see them random. <laughs> okay. Uh <laughs> Maybe a bad choice of words on my part. Uh, Archipelago was... Um, the choice of the name was actually related to what you may call randomness. I was interested in 
this notion of uh, an archipelago, which was which means different islands that are connected by uh, threads below the sea. So there is this sense of uh, scattering of different projects, but they are connected by by one thread. And the thread is photography. The thread is uh, images, is uh, analysis of the of the visual. And then I gathered in Archipelago my different interests. So one was I started really, when I started in 2015 in London, I started with uh, artist books, which is one of my great interests. I've been working uh, in bookshops for a long time and with booksellers, with companies, with Koenig Books in London especially. And I love books and that was uh, that's a medium that I really cherish. And so I uh, I started with this, and that was that has always been interesting to me. Also, in terms of creativity and how photographers work, uh, I often bring it into my teaching because when uh, you start uh, imagining a project, if you bring it to the book format, you may do something completely different. So the book format and and you can enrich a lot your your project by using the the book format. Like not uh, just putting photos like a portfolio in a book, but uh, using the the medium of the book to 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 make a work of art. So that was one of my um, the first project that came very spontaneously because I was seeing a lot of um, of artists creating books and not um, not being able to show them uh, because they were books that were a bit ex- experimental, etc. So I created a space for that. And in that sen- not a space that was uh, permanent, but I created exhibitions where there's, uh, there's books were, were available. And that's a project that, um, that is still in some ways going on. But um, I was doing a selection a year and creating an exhibition, exhibitions in different places. So I did it in London, I did it in Milan, in Barcelona too. Uh, that was traveling basically, so that's that was the first uh, occurrence, the first uh, events that were organized by uh, Archipelago. But then there were a more traditional type of exhibition, and I'm still doing them on photography. To go on answering your question, I think what can give an, an a, um, a sense of randomness is that I'm very interested in... Uh, <laughs> no, no, but that's interesting I'm so sorry, to you're see. you're hung up on that No, word. that's fine. I think that's interesting to me also to, to see how others perceive it. I'm not interested in, in traditional photography. That has never been uh, an interest of mine, like um, black and white uh, tradition. And art, like history photography is not... I mean, I'm interested in history of photography, but I'm not interested in organizing exhibition um, or... Yeah, on the uh, history of photography at all. I'm interested in what's happening now. I'm interested in um, in how photography. I wasn't aware of that when in 2010 when I started uh, studying photography. But how photography is uh, connected to other medium and more and more, like the connection between photography and art is a complicated um, complicated issue. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm interested in the in the way photography can get out of photography as well. So the connection with other medium as books, video, installation, um, sound sometimes. So one of the first exhibitions I organized in London was at Flowers Gallery and it was connection between abstraction in photography with uh, sound pieces. So there was a sh- soundtrack in the exhibition, for example. So I think the, um, my interest is more in experimenting and uh, ex- 
experimental photography, experimental art, then um, keeping with a, a very uh, clear line of uh, tradition. Well, I, I'm totally on the same page with you. I mean, I, I've been a photographer for probably, you know, including all the way back to like education, probably like 30 some odd years. And quite honestly, I, I got rid of my last camera about four or five years ago. Like I'm just not interested in it anymore because it's so prevalent. It, it or I, I should say like the traditional photographic qualities and imagery uh, I still work with photography but I don't like post on Instagram every couple of days with new images and all this kind of stuff like there is such a glut of imagery in the world it, to a certain extent it's kind of hard to say like oh you know what I can do it better I can do it you know higher whatever quality with more interesting content so like I also like have started a, working with multiple mediums and trying in different formats to express ideas but still sort of working with photography and I find that a lot of people who start off in photography evolve beyond the traditional stuff which ends up the the part the part I'm trying to get to here is like ends up sort of in the middle like it's the a lot of photographers are not photographers so they're not sort of accepted in the photography world but they're not painters or video artists or what and they end up in this sort of like in-between place that it becomes difficult to exhibit, difficult to put into a book, difficult to fund, difficult to get grants and residencies. And And there's a lot of artists that I feel like these days that are falling in the middle, that are not getting the support that they needed through whatever, because they're sort of working interdisciplinary or, or almost too conceptually or these kinds of different formats. And I find that very sad. Yeah. I am not uh, completely aware of that. I think it's often very difficult for photographers to to find the support they need. But these in between, I'm not Agreed. sure about it. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's not a lot of support for photography. Like people think photography is easy and cheap and all this kind of stuff. And so like there's not a lot of both financial support and appreciation for good photography. Which is totally subjective too, by the way. Yes. Well, that's one of the points. I think photography has been evolving very, very much since 20 years with the digital, but also with internet. Um, and I think personally, I'm more and more interested in photography as a means to analyze the world of images we live in, not as a way of representing the world, but sort of meta photography. So artists like Trevor Paglen or um, Hito Sterl that are analyzing the way the the image is um, is sociological sociologically influencing our, our behaviors is something that interests me very much, and I think that's um, that's probably where photography is really useful and and able to to bring something to the to the subject today more than uh, for its indexicality so i don't know where i wanted to to bring you with this but that's um it's okay <laughs> i never know where i'm going it's fine <laughs> no but i was trying to answer something you said about the fact that there there is little support. Yeah, I think you are right that there is. We are in a time in which photography is not always 
identified, I think, by people correctly in some way. So there is this, uh, this general assumption that still photography is indexical and, um, and, uh, um, has to create beautiful imagery. Then there are all these images that we see online that are modified, that are beautiful, very rich. Uh, and then there is this meta level in which photography can be a tool to to analyze the um, the statue of images today, the the state of uh, of images today. That is maybe a more conceptual um, step, and um, that is um, that I think should be uh, very interesting to to photographers. And that's the that's the part that is most interesting to me actually today. Well, you brought up a word that has been sort of plaguing my career that because I use it and I, I'm not sure if I'm using it incorrectly or, or poorly, but the term beautiful, like, so like beautiful images, that's a tough one because like, if you make as a photographer, or as a creator, if you make beautiful work, oftentimes people think it's decorative or not very interesting or that the concepts are not very strong because it's beautiful. And so like even just, just the nature of like doing that, because also I come from America, but I'm now in Europe. Now in America, I'm going to say they encourage quote unquote, like beautiful work more than in Europe, which is very much stronger on the conceptual side. And so like once coming here, I'm suddenly like, I make beautiful work and people are like, oh, you make beautiful work. And I'm like, thanks. But they meant it as an insult. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a complicated thing. I guess often the beauty can be deserving to the concept, indeed. Um, I agree on this. On the other side, you do need something visual to convey your ideas. So beauty is often the way of doing it. I think there are a lot of different levels um, because on the other side, the art market needs uh, beauty because otherwise they don't sell. Um, the art market... It depends on the levels again, but a collector who wants to decorate his, uh, his living room is not going to, to buy something uh, about war. Like, um, I don't know if anyone bought Guernica to decorate their living room. I, do, I don't think so. Well, I think that's just because of scale. <laughs> Maybe too. That's true. Well, I'm sure there are rich people that have huge living rooms. Oh, yeah. I lived in the United Arab Emirates. There are plenty of very large yeah. living rooms. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, but I mean, but that sense of beauty, like, I, like, see, this, this is my position on it is, is like, if an or any sort of creative person decides to create something that has an inherent sort of sense of beauty to it, what it does is it entices the viewer into the conversation that's being had. Like, so if you make imagery that doesn't have any sense of beauty, and when I say beauty, it could be beautiful design, beautiful colors, like there are elements of different beauty. It's not like a portrait of a beautiful person kind of thing. So like there could be just beautiful shapes, forms, color balances, all these kinds of things. But but you need to have some sense of beauty in order to engage the viewer so that they then care about the, the concept behind it. And without that, that sort of uh, ability to engage that beautiful thing to attract the viewer they're not going to care about the concept underneath it yeah i think probably you have a point but at the same time then how i mean 
what were those uh, images? I can't remember, but there were images of um, a project I saw recently of war. It's it's always the same uh, dilemma. I mean, when you represent something that is uh, cruel or that is uh, morally very controversial, and you make it beautiful, it's uh, it's very ethically complicated. Well, yeah, that's the Afghan girl from Stephen Curry. Like, I mean, he took what was a horrible situation and he made a beautiful photo of it. And so then that the public perception is that that's a beautiful, horrible thing. And that's not very helpful or useful. No. Now there is this. And also you may take out a level of uh, depth if uh, the beauty is the the conveyor. I'm not sure... um, um, there is something often a bit easy, but you're right. We are also communicator. I think it's it's a very thin line, a thin balance of finding the way of bringing the viewer in, but without uh, um, taking out the the depth of the of the topic and the concepts. It is hard. I mean, and it's this thing that we struggle with all the time, for sure. But also, you're a curator. I I have lots of questions for curators because I love curators. Text. When it comes to artworks, whether it's applications or artist statements or things like this, how important are these texts that sort of accompany work and even down to titles of individual pieces? It's very important. It's very important because the title, for example, can suddenly change completely the work. Depending on the on the title you 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 put underneath your images, the work can take a completely different uh, meaning to the viewer. So there is this connection be- between text and the and the visual that is important. Then, in terms of artist statement, I think it's um, it's difficult to create a good artist statement. Correct. <laughs> but it is um, it is an exercise that shows to the to, to the creator the depth and articulation of the thinking behind the projects. I mean, I see a lot of them. And for example, in the UK, our artist statements are very structured and I like it. They are short, they are direct, they are, they are good. In France, for example, people struggle more with this. And in Italy, um, I won't tell you. Because it goes into, it goes into like poetic, um, poetic. Um, oh, I hate poetic artist statements like so much. Well, see, okay, I have this because I do portfolio reviews also. So, like, one of the things that I have is like I feel like there should be a balance. So, the more abstract or conceptual the series of work is, sort of visually as an art piece, I feel like the more concrete and cohe and sort of cohesive and coherent the statement should be in order to balance it out so like the one thing i really really hate is when people do abstract work and and an abstract sort of poetic statement it's just like i have no fucking idea what they're talking about mm-hmm. yeah and often this kind of uh, very abstract uh, and poetic statement are just hiding that uh, there is not much there agreed <laughs> So yeah, I, I tend to like like short statements that are very clear to the point to the topics that are treated and uh, what the, the photographer has intended to do. 
Well, it's interesting because I've also noticed over the years, like, so in the United States, when I was coming out of school, we were told that basically an artist statement was the one and only chance we as the creators had to sort of like, and they, my teachers even use this term, like to be a cheerleader for our art. So like, we're, we're trying to sell our art. We're trying to like encourage people to see like how this fits into the lexicon and, and the, the, the entire canon of art history. Like here, this is how this is connects to this and this. And it's so great because of blah, blah, blah. And then I come to Europe and, and like the artist statements here, everybody's like, I'm making this thing. It's very humble. It's very clean to the point. And it, it no frivolous words, no additional, you know, cheering on kind of thing. I love the European way of doing it so much more because I'm fucking tired of being my own show pony and sort of having to like cheer myself on. I find it so, yeah, I like the European way. Yeah, I guess there is a point of, there is a sense of marketing in what you're describing the, the American way that's, I mean, when I see something marketing in photography or something else, I'm dubious of the quality that is behind. So, yeah, it's always like, it's like they always sell themselves so much that you're like, is it really that great? (laughs) Like, yeah, I think you're Mm -hmm. overdoing it. But going back to the whole, the text thing, because this is one of my sort of uh, misunderstandings, I think over the course of my career, I always believed that an artist should be the one who writes their artist statements. Now, in my old age, which I'm not that old, but like in my my older age, I have come to sort of embrace and enjoy the idea of almost working collaboratively with a curator to create that text because I feel like they offer greater insight and perspective on the work than just the single perspective and subjective perspective that I would have on my own work. So I love that, but is that acceptable in the industry to have like have statements or artist bios or anything like this sort of written by or written collaboratively with a curator? I mean, nobody has to know it. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I personally think because I in my teaching jobs I work a lot with students, bringing them to write about their work. And I personally think that writing about your work is a way of going deeper into your work and being able to articulate better the concept because often, indeed, artists have an intuition that stays there. But to be able to really uh, develop your ideas and to develop your practice, you need to be able to analyze this intuition. At least it's my, it's my, um, my, my view of it. And writing is a great way of doing it. So I I would personally expect from an artist to be able to write uh, him or his, herself his statements because it shows his ability to understand what he is doing and where he wants to go and what he wants to convey. Uh, but I do understand and I do see it that a lot of artists have um, benefit from from a collaboration with a curator that is able to see the work from outside. Very often there are topics that I see in a work that uh, the artists haven't seen. But it also comes down to each one's perspective. I mean, uh, I see a lot of work, so probably it comes down to that. But I often say that I don't think the work of an artist and a curator are so different. I think there is, uh, in both parts, I 
I teach critical research, so that's very much my, my thing. But I do think that both jobs are about researching a lot and, um, and being able to, to condense this research and to create a discourse about a topic through this research or for, for an artist through his art and for a creator through uh, um, a set of, of um, artworks that are um, creating a discourse. So I don't see the... Um, maybe it's a, it's a weird take on it, but I do think that the, the work is quite similar in some ways. And so research is really important and an artist should be able to, to see where he stands in the, in the topic he, he has chosen to, to investigate. It's hard because like I've often wondered how how to structure an artist statement. You know, because like some artworks or some art series are very personal and it's like, how personal should I share? And you know, like what's necessary to be put into an artist statement and what's not necessary? Because like again, I feel I still feel like as a the creator of the work, I probably have a dozen different ideas running through my head about what the work's all about, but the ability to try and refine it down to like the single thread, the, the one topic that it truly is talking about, even though it is still talking about all those other things, that's the really hard part to try and make it so that it has a very precise purpose in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very complicated, but I think it's the... It's a challenge of being an artist. Uh, going back to, to what we were saying at the beginning, I don't think being an artist is uh, is just uh, going through the through the world and taking pictures of uh, beautiful flowers. Uh, there is a sense, maybe there is a responsibility of the artist of um, really wondering what he wants to say and, and being uh, sharp about it. And so, but that's a difficult thing. And I see it a lot with, uh, with students that are packing their projects with thousands of ideas that are really interesting, but you can't put everything in one project and you do need to, you do need to choose one and to go seriously about it and, and not just, um, uh, bring all this quote of uh, famous people and, and try to to make uh, something. No, I just think it's um, yeah, it's a question of uh, focusing and, and concentrating, analyze, being able to analyze what what you're doing. I I agree, it's very difficult because you are into the work. Well, and not only that, but like okay, like so going back to like the idea of like how it used to be versus how it is now, kind of thing. Like in the old days, <laughs> I say the old days when I was a kid, the it was they the schools were often like telling you like find a style like that was it was all about finding a style a visual style that you're talking about and and i find that oftentimes the some of the artists that i appreciate more now are people who find an idea and and they may express it or or show it or or investigate it in different ways and in different styles but they have a a beautiful common thread of 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 what they're talking about throughout their career so like I find this 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 sort of vernacular of like the idea of a style sort of has changed and grown over the years from a visual style like you know like your Andy Warhol like they all look like Andy Warhol's kind of thing, but to more of like you come up with a 
a, a thing you want to investigate and you find various different methodology to investigate it, you know, trans, you could do videos, you could do prints, you could do books, you could do whatever kind of thing. And I, I personally enjoy that opportunity. I feel like it, it sort of has opened up a lot of opportunities to, to sort of do a lot more in your career than it used to do. Yeah, I guess uh, that comes down to, to two things. One of the things is that photography was born as an indexical um, medium, an indexical tool that was just um, creating a representation of the of the real. And then the visual was very important, like the style was very important to differentiate you from, from another. But that was a very, um, that's where photography was not considered um, really like an art because there was less of a position of an artist in it. It was only on the surface, I guess. Well, that's what I, I find. And uh, probably what you are talking about, about the concept and the, the exploration of a, of a topic and the investigation comes down to the, um, to photography evolving more towards art and contemporary art. Uh, when um, when Duchamp does the, um, the Robert Mutt um, toilet uh, appropriation in the 20s, he's not looking at the beauty or he's looking at, uh, at contemporary society of, uh, of his time and, um, and uh, new ways of... Uh, what, what do I want to, to say there is that probably art in the 20th century has evolved very much towards concepts and photography is taking the same uh, route, which I think is very, uh, very interesting and right. Agreed. I mean, I, you know, as I always sort of bucked the whole system of it. Like I've been more like Gerhard Richter kind of like an artist. Like you just do whatever medium is necessary to express your idea versus just, you know, finding a style because even, especially in photography, like, and like, I, I don't want to even get into all my all like photographers are some of the most competitive and backstabbing artists like among them all because they they feel like they have like special things and all this kind of stuff. But anyways, but they 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 the a, a style a, like like a, a tech oftentimes in photography especially is a technique which could easily be copied and and that's a, a a hindrance i believe that's always been i mean i guess technically painting could have been the same you know you could have said oh well, brush strokes can all be the same brush strokes kind of thing but the the idea that of finding a style i always found really um limiting like uh, i really loved the idea of like uh, working off of a, an idea or some a, some sort of internal issue or, or idea or, or motivation versus of a tangible process or technique but I think the style comes um, comes from the, the exploration basically like what uh, Richter does is unable I mean he has a very clear style Richter you can recognize his paintings everywhere and you see and now he's is uh, selling his painting to Vuitton for his advertisement for the advertisement uh, campaigns and you see I mean I saw it uh, not that long ago and I I saw the Richter painting behind uh, the back of Vuitton his name was nowhere and I recognized it obviously so there is a style Anyway, but the style I think comes 
it's like an evolution and it comes from the, the exploration you make. Obviously, um, Richter went into this, uh, this representation of photographs during years and he developed a style for it and then he erased his pictures through this, uh, this paintbrush. And all these make a, make a style, but the style comes down from the concepts he, he developed, I think. Well, see, like one of my early like people that I found that I was just like, holy shit, was like Sigmar Polke. Like he just like, he took everything and turned it on his head. He like took all the traditional ideas and just said, you know, fuck all of you all. I'm just going to do whatever the hell I want. And I loved that about him. <laughs> He's so amazing. Mm-hmm. But the, but that's very hard to do. Like the problem is, is like the people who do these amazing things often end up being outliers, and unfortunately, they're not like the center of the the industry. Uh well, but Paul, I don't know what what, what was his his uh, situation when he was alive. Was he not recognized? Yes, I think he was. Near the end, near the end, I think he probably was more. But and yeah, Rick- he was reasonably. Richter is uh, is one of the most expensive um, artists at this time. I mean, didn't uh, wait his stuff. <laughs> well, but again, well, but I call them outliers because like they're the one because like there's no there's ah. no like whole train of like style of polke. There's no whole mm-hmm. like entire you know movement around Richter kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like so so they they they're outliers because they're these just these individuals who have success okay. but yet there's not a lot of like sort of surrounding it, which is very unfortunate. I would love to be associated with like the school of Sigmar Polke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what's called. Even though I never met him, but you know Anyways, all right. I know you're limited on time, so so let's finish this up with any sort of advice that you have for like the next generation. Because you're also a teacher, you do portfolio reviews, so you often are giving advice out to people. So, like, I guess the the thing I'm most interested in is like, what are some of the mistakes that people are often making that you often have to give feedback towards? Lack of uh, research. So not being able to to know where you stand as a photographer. I mean, you arrived after two thousand years, or I don't know how many years of art history. You you need to know a bit about that, I think, in order not to 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 repeat and to to do obvious things. That's one thing. And the second one is uh, don't try to get inspired by others, but don't copy. That's very boring and you won't bring anything. You won't go anywhere with that. Try to to be connected to oneself and to, to do something that is personal, but thinking of the viewer. I mean, being personal and universal is probably the, the most difficult thing in art, but that's the only thing that uh, works. And I love that statement. So we'll just wrap it up there. It's beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you for listening to The Complete Conversation. We would appreciate it if you would share the podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, studio mates, anyone with an interest in the arts and creative endeavors. 
The building and strengthening of the arts and creative community is at the core of our mission for this podcast. They can listen and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014, the audio was edited by Cush Audio Services, and the music was created by Pete Bybee. The Wise Fool Art Podcast is supported in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunst Centrene i Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com.